Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. It's Holly and Amy and Kristen and today we are joined by two special guests that we have been so excited to interview. We have been wanting to chat with both of them since we first had this email appear in our inbox, our Just Think inbox and uh, um, Kristen, I believe you're the one that actually saw the email first. So why don't you share with our audience a little bit about what we're, why we were so excited to hear from them and why we wanted to connect with them as soon as possible. Well, I was super excited to get this because of what they are doing. I get an email from Emily Saunders saying that she's so glad that one of our freedom fighters shared our podcast with her the week before, and she wanted to collaborate um, their efforts. Her husband, who is with us today, we've got Emily and Dr. Wiggy Saunders here, Dr. Wiggy, as everybody calls him, um, who he's an integrative uh, doctor in Winston-Salem, and about six weeks prior to the email, They had locked arms with a health policy director who had just left the White House to begin creating a network of physicians and advanced practice providers standing for medical freedom. So, you know, that was like, ooh, we let's get let's talk to them. Let's collaborate. Let's share. Let's see what's going on. And of course, I wanted to connect with them and connect as many people as I could with them. So uh, without further ado, I will let y'all introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about you. You want to go ahead? Sure. Sounds good. So I'm Emily. I'm the one who emailed Kristen. Um, My greatest gift in the world is uh, connecting people together. And I've had a lot of opportunity to do that over the last year or so, I suppose. And yeah, I, I was connected with your podcast through a friend and listened to a couple of episodes. And then that's when I reached out to say, Hey, and we would love to have you guys come visit our podcast sometime as well. And we'll do that another time. But, um, you know, Wiggy and I have been living this world of alternative medicine, holistic medicine for many years. Uh, We got married two weeks before he started medical school, which I would not recommend to anyone, but we did that. (laughs) And, (laughs) and here we are six, almost 16 plus years later. And um, it's, it's been a wild journey. And the interesting thing is, I feel that God really um, p- positioned us well over these past 10 years that he's been really in practice, because yeah. we've never truly fit into a mold in most areas of our lives, as far as the way that we parent, the types of food that we eat, the way that he practices medicine, the different just approaches to so many things. And I think that he has used that to position us moving into the season that we are in now where we've already had to be comfortable with not being quote normal or part of the cool kids and that kind of thing. And which built a little bit of courage for where we are now. So like I said, we've been married 16 years. We have four boys our oldest will be nine in a couple of weeks down to three two of them are adopted out of foster care we adopted them in 2021 as well and it has been a wild ride for us for sure and yes in september of this year we created along with um a small handful of other north carolina physicians we sat in Wiggy's office together in september of this year and just had a conversation. And the question we asked was, what are the three major problems that you have with medicine right now, both personally and professionally? And from that initial meeting of about 10 of us, we set up a um, 
we set up a what do we, we set up our priorities really our four initial priorities and that turned into a mission statement as well and we have met once per month since then and our network is now up to about 150 plus providers i haven't counted lately to be honest and now we range from physicians to mid-levels to dentists chiropractors naturopaths and we also even have a handful of attorneys that are kind of alongside of us and i probably missed something hey. It's pharmacists. Yes, we've got some very key pharmacists part of our network as well. So it's it's been quite a ride in a few months. Is Go this ahead. just That's a lot. <laughs> just in the state of North Carolina, guys? I wanted to clarify. Is that where your network is right now? Yes. Everyone okay. is within the state of North Carolina. We have we are partnered and connecting with a lot of like-minded organizations. Actually, I have helped start one in Colorado, helped. There's a there's a couple people in New York City, talk about courage yes. that are yeah we we've been you know locking arms with a couple of it's it's a small group there but trying to help support some of the work that they're doing as well and um, continuing to collaborate to be honest it's it's this is a great problem but it's kind of hard to keep up with it all because there's so much happening there's so many organizations and. The more we can work together, you know, we're always better together. There is power in numbers and um, there's power in different, there's synergy and different skill sets coming together. So yeah, but I didn't talk about my background. I, I left the business world along when we had our first child and um, am an entrepreneur. We manufacture several brands of natural products for women and kids. Oh, That's all. <laughs> Well, tell, tell us, us, tell, tell us, us what they are. Yeah, tell us what they oh, are. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> so we have uh, Mom Sanity. I have a partner, my partner Debbie, in that, and we create nutritional products for women that are free of all junk, no gluten, dairy, fillers, artificial sweeteners, um, anti-foaming agents, all the stuff that doesn't have to be on the label. We don't have any of that in any of our products. So we make a really great protein powder called mom fuel, as well as branch chain amino acids for energy and a few other, a craving cocoa drink and oh, that kind um, of thing. <laughs> oh <my laughs> me up. It, it works really well. It's really delicious. And then um, together, Wiggy and I have a company called Raise Them Well. So we make vitamins and supplements for kids. Um, focus, really, the company's now focused on primarily those vitamins and supplements are immunity chewable. We launched last December. Of course, that's a huge one these days. And I have a few personal care products as a part of that as well. And then also our topical magnesium products for kids have really, that's really what kind of launched the company um, because for kids, their pliable skin, magnesium is better absorbed through the skin for them oftentimes. And so it can be really helpful to help them calm down and sleep. And who doesn't want that? So, so I mean, well, look, Amy, I, Amy and I are raising our hands. You got three new customers yeah, right now. Real. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's get All right, should I hop in? Yes, yes. your turn. Okay, all right, just wanna make sure. Uh, so yeah, doc, Dr. Wiggy Saunders here. Uh, Dr. Wiggy is kind of the nickname and that's how everybody knows me. So. You guys can call me Dr. Wiggy as well. Uh, wearing a lot of hats too, just kind of like like Emily does. So one of my um, one of my positions that I have is I'm kind of co medical director of uh, the North Carolina Physicians for Freedom. So that's one of the newest uh, kind of adventures that we've been on together. Um, but kind of background. So I am so I am an MD. So I think it's important to uh, kind of clarify what type of doctor you're talking to here. So I am a medical doctor. I am board certified in family medicine, um, but I really practice outside of the box, like Emily's been saying, really since since residency. And so I've been practicing integrative medicine, which is more natural, more holistic uh, medicine, really for the past past ten years. And so as an integrative physician, I was pretty prepared for something like COVID to come around because we are already trying to do things like optimize the immune system. We are familiar with treating other viral infections like Epstein-Barr virus. And so we had some tools in our toolbox. So when this, when this started to roll around, we started to look into what tools we had available, started to apply them, started to do more research, started to listen to other doctors like Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone and said, hey, these protocols appear to be, to be 
you know, science-based. They appear to be based on research. Let's start applying these and see how they work. And we've treated a ton of people uh, for COVID. Uh, we've probably treated over a thousand people now. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but probably I'm pretty confident over a thousand, probably around 1,200 people now. And and we've had fantastic results. Yeah. Uh, so we, right now, we, I think we've had about uh, probably around 15 uh, patients hospitalized, uh, one person in the ICU, but no one has died. So we've had we have a zero percent mortality rate on over a thousand people. So what we what we do works. Early treatment works, and that's been probably the biggest frustration. And part of the reason why we wanted to get this coalition going is that it's frustrating that there are treatments that that work that all doctors should be using that they aren't. And I think that's just that's that's a tragedy when all these patients could be saved, um, but they're not because this is I think it's become so politicized. Early treatment has. And, and why do you think that is, Doctor Wiggy? I mean, because I think that's what. What the American public is wondering is why hasn't there been more focus on treatments? And then when treatments emerged, almost kind of like under the radar, right? It was doctors like Dr. McCullough um, that were saying this works or Dr. uh, Pierre Corey, right? Who were saying, hey, we're treating thousands and this is working. And then they were censored or suppressed. Why is that happening in your your opinion? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I don't think anybody really knows knows that answer. You know, we've listened to a ton of podcasts as well. We've done a ton of research. And the thing that's most confusing about it is that it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any logical sense. It doesn't make any rational sense why early treatment wouldn't be used. So it does in some ways feel almost like a intentional wickedness, why people are not getting this information and why it's being censored and why it's being pushed under the rugs. Because like I said, if you do the research on all the early early treatments, you'll see that that it works. Uh, but that, that information really is being censored, and so I don't think we necessarily know why why that that agenda is being pushed so hard. It's it's a real big frustration that it is. Uh, who's behind it? What power is behind it? I think it's really tough to to say that, but I do feel like it's intentional because I think again, if you look at just from a reasoning standpoint, it just doesn't make sense. That's right. They never said this of one medicine is a cure-all ever. I mean, have they ever done? I mean, I just don't understand. You know, and that's why you have like off-label medicines. That's why, you know, because they're open to, hey, this could work for something else. And the fact that you even said that you were listening to MSNBC uh, this morning and they were, they're still saying that the vaccines and the boosters are the The only only answer, the only answer. answer. And these are doctors on there saying that. And while the who is saying you're not going to vaccinate your way out of the pandemic. They, I think the who said this two weeks, they've even acknowledged it's not going to work. And yet we have doctors in the United States, which I don't think it's coincidental where the three vaccines have originated in our country, we still have these physicians holding the line. And yeah. even when medical evidence is proving contrary time and time again, but but, but Dr. Ziggy, I, Wiggy, I think that you have to not have this be the first time that you've experienced pushback. No. Because I would think as an MD, when you started to invite, it's explore the um, holistic approach to medicine, we've interviewed two other doctors on our podcast this year who are just like you, MDs practicing in that you know current system, the Western mm-hmm. medicine system, and when they decided to explore outside of those boundaries, met with opposition. Did you experience that as well? And and also, what was your just think moment? Like, what made you? You said even mm-hmm. in residency, you started thinking outside the box. You know, yeah. so what made you go that route? Yeah, good question. Um, there's not necessarily a specific point in time where it's like, okay, this was you know the old way of thinking, and this is the the new way of thinking. For me, probably the best answer for that is I I do feel like this was more of a calling than like an awakening. So I felt like God was really calling me to practice medicine differently, really through med school. And definitely once I got into residency is a, you can call it a bit of awakening, but or opening your eyes to this is that there, there, there was a better way to do medicine. That was kind of the, what, I, what I always felt like was the, the, the pain point that I kept coming back is like, why are we just giving medications 
that don't really help anybody. All they do is delay disease. That's probably the best description for medicine is delay diseases. And why, why is that the primary focus? Why aren't we focusing more on prevention? Why aren't, we, why aren't we being more proactive? Why aren't we looking at more natural things that we can use that have lots of benefits? Uh, and so it, I've always had that kind of in the back of my mind, you know, why is, why is this the way that we do medicine? And so once I started learning more about integrative medicine, functional medicine, uh, I really started to, you know, really dive in and I trained kind of myself in, to some degree through residency. I got some mentors that really helped me kind of figure this out, read a lot of books, went to a bunch of conferences. And so you kind of have to, to once you step out, you really have to step out. And then almost everybody that steps out of traditional medicine and go in, goes into integrative medicine, there's like, it is kind of like an aha moment. Say, wow, this is a really awesome way to practice medicine. And then once you actually start doing it and you see the patients get so much better, and patients will say, I haven't felt this good in 10 years. Or I feel amazing now. I mean, that's just, that's the coolest thing. So, I mean, I think it's, for me, that's, that's been one of the most rewarding parts of practicing integrative medicine. But it, going back to your point with the pushback, so definitely a lot of pushback, a lot of uh, tension when you get outside of the system. And so we were somewhat prepared for kind of pushback and tension just because, and I think this is part of the problem with, um, with the medical system is that anything outside of standard or anything outside of, I'm putting standard in quotes here, anything outside of standard, anything outside of this you know, agenda, then you're automatically the wrong one. It's almost like, well, you're automatically wrong if you're not following what the certain people say. And so I think we've seen that really apparently over the past couple of years is that if certain agencies say this is the way to do things, Traditional medicine will fall in line and they just kind of fall in line and say, okay, this is, this is, yep, this is what they're telling us to do. This is what we need to do. And anything outside of that is wrong. And I think that's where we've, we've, we've gotten so wrong from the medical system is, is not allowing discourse, not allowing discussion and figuring out what works best. So the censorship has been going on in the medical community, probably long before Americans were aware of media censorship. In other words, hmm. if a doctor has an idea that goes outside of the traditional treatment, um, he's automatically considered wrong because it doesn't yep. fall in line with what. And that's a really arrogant way to be, is it not? Like it's rooted in pride and arrogance to say, mm. we've got it all figured out. When the statistics say that Americans now, our lifespan's getting shorter, we're the sickest we've ever been, our autoimmune disease diagnoses are out of, of like, crazy at this point, which yeah. I'd love to, because you treat autoimmune diseases, that's your specialty, or one of the things that you really, you mentioned um, one when we, when we got started, but what is it that you think is creating autoimmune responses from us that are unwanted or is our body attacking itself? What is, what do you yeah. think are some of the causes? Well, gosh, so disease is definitely getting so much worse in our country. You know, you highlighted a couple of the statistics and the problems, but we're seeing patients are getting sicker and it seems like it's happening like every year. You know, I've been practicing for 10 years, which is, you know, it's getting some experience underneath my belt, but I'm not, I haven't been for 30 or 40 years. But even in 10 years, I've been seeing patients keep getting sicker and sicker. So there's, some, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with our, with our system. There's something wrong with, I think, with our environment. Why, why are things getting worse, especially, you know, in relation to autoimmune disease? Autoimmune disease is basically a problem with our immune system recognizing normal tissue, tissue as foreign. And so usually it's something that's in our body that's been exposed, that we've been exposed to that confuses the immune system and makes it go haywire. And so there are a lot of things that can do that. I think that part of it is, you know, there's different chemicals in the environment. I think part of it is back to chronic infections. I think that can trigger autoimmune diseases. So there's lots of things. And that's part of the challenge as being an integrative doctor is that we have to be the detective. We have to try and figure this, figure this out, figure out what are the possible factors for each person. And I'll just say, we did an extensive podcast on autoimmune, if anybody wants to go back and listen to that. So. I wanted to throw that out there, your, your podcast. And I was also going to say, I'm sure you y'all have some expertise and knowledge in the nutrition uh, department as well, what they put in the foods and different, you know, like high fructose corn syrup, hydrogenated oils, things that that 
we have created and dies. Yeah. So many things that we have created, um, that God didn't create. It's like, if God didn't create it, we don't need to be eating it or if you can't pronounce it, you know? So it's one of those things that we're not meant to process it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's become more and more apparent, you know, over the past couple of years that that big everything just generally wants us to not be well. So, you know, big medicine, big tech, uh, big pharma, it generally don't want us to be healthy. They want us to continue to be sick and dependent uh, on the system. And so I think, I think that we've seen that again, really clearly uh, here recently. Well, I mean, I think we have to think that you're, I'm sorry. I was just going to say your, your podcast, I forgot to say it was that health. Oh, it's called health. It's called healthy discourse. Yep. And it's on all the major uh, podcast host places, I suppose. Um, And I was just going to say that I think, I think we have to remember that our healthcare system now is set up for all of the big people, you know, medicine, hospitals, hospital systems, because there, there are not very many private practices mm-hmm. like WIG anymore. Very, very few. I think that we, we can probably, in our city of Winston-Salem, which is several hundred thousand people, you can probably name them on yeah. one, one or two hands, you know? And so, so we have that, we have everybody is owned by somebody. And then we have big pharma, right? And the between, and then our government agencies. And unfortunately, just like you guys have said, like the more that you dig into this, the more your eyes are opened to see that this has nothing to do with anyone's health. Not really, not the core of your health. It has a lot more to do with maximizing profits. And the higher that the control level is, so for example, Wiggy, they have a practice of 40 people. They're all working synergistically together to serve their patients the best they can. And their outcomes are based on how well people are getting. That's what matters. When you are, okay, so that's that. So let's pretend he was owned by a big hospital system that then had all these tiers to the top. From that point, this guy sitting in the ivory tower at the top does not care about the individual patient's overall health. And, you know, there are, there are um, you know, programs now through some insurance companies, which are semi-promising because we can participate in those even because it helps, they, they save the insurance companies money because the patients end up a little bit healthier. So there, I'm, I'm hopeful because there is some exploration around that, but that's still a very small portion of how this works. Well, and so I think we have to just remember, you know, it is my relationship with my doctor, is my doctor actually independently able to make his or her own decisions? And I think sometimes it's important to ask that to say, okay, well, that's your opinion. Can you please tell me how you arrived to that. I can't tell you how many tens of hundreds of people through our network, because I get all the emails, have said, my doctor has told me they disagree with this, that they want to write me a medical Mm -hmm. exemption because I'm breastfeeding. I got that yesterday. My doctor wants to do that, but she is prohibited within the system she works for to do that or else she will get fired. And I hear, I get five or 10 of those every single day from desperate people because there is no autonomy as a physician working for a large, a large conglomerate of any kind anymore, it seems. And it's all the whole system. And this is what I think people probably maybe a lot understand and some don't. The whole system is working together to almost hold us all captive where mm-hmm. people are very afraid to not be on insurance, for example. Now, my husband and I are entrepreneurs. So we had this gift that happened where we could have done it. We did do insurance through his company for years. We finally realized the MediShare program would suit us better because we are healthy. We could mm-hmm. afford a higher deductible for a really you know, catastrophic thing that could happen, but that we, we would not be relegated to insurance anymore, which has freed us up to see doctors like Dr. Wiggy and then be able to afford to go have those visits while also, you know, um, we've probably saved money on insurance, frankly, but people, I meet people all the time who are terrified to get out of the insurance system or feel they can't, right, for various reasons, but then the insurance company then holds the doctors 
captive too. That's another thing. I have a friend who has Crohn's. Her doctor wanted to put her on a really quote, quote, <laughs> good drug for Crohn's. Uh, not necessarily what I would probably want to see her on, but that's what he suggested. The insurance company wouldn't cover it. They wanted her to be on a different one. And again, who's the doctor, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the doctor is the insurance company at that point. Right. And so right. that not only is it pharma controlling doctors, it's insurance companies controlling the whole system. And then we're just kind of the victims of all of it. Well, and I think and even even beyond pharma and um, insurance companies controlling doctors, I think doctors really are also controlled by their the agents or the, the companies that they work for. Right. You know, these, these big hospital organizations, they are actually dictating to the doctors what they can and cannot do, uh, mm -hmm. just like with COVID. So I think there are probably a lot, a lot more doctors if they had the autonomy to practice without threat. I yeah. think they would have come to a different, a different uh, understanding of how to treat COVID. You um, know, yeah. so going, kind of going back to what we were talking about, what went wrong with early treatment. I think a lot of it was that doctors were being threatened that if you do this, if you start treating early with say hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, then you're going to lose your job. And so I think we're also seeing a, a big problem with not only, again, these other companies controlling the doctors, but actually the hospitals and these big medical systems controlling the doctors and not allowing them to use their brain, use their training, let them do their own research, come up with the best plan that they feel like is going to be best for their patient. And, and I think that's just crazy that doctors aren't allowed to do that anymore. They can't, they can't use their, their clinical reasoning to figure out what's going to work best. They're told you can or cannot do these things. And that's, that's just wrong. And what and, happened to the Hippocratic oath? Is that not a well, thing? Well, so, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think some doctors, you know, even if they're told that they can't do this, they will, they will, you know, stand by the Hippocratic oath and say, I know this is right. I need to treat them anyway. Even if I'm, even if I'm told that I'm so that, you know, we've seen a lot of, we've seen a lot of, you know, doctors that have been somewhat cowardly through this where they just kind of say, well, I can't do it, so find someone else. But we've also seen a lot of doctors that have shown a lot of courage. And they've said, well, this is best for the patients. I don't care if I get fired. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. And they've saved lives by doing that. Yeah. We've yeah. seen people be fired, people be, you know, <laughs> censored in different ways. Um, you know, we've had doctors tell us that, you know, they they've worked in with their same partners for 20 years. They know all everybody's kids' names. You know, they would have go to social events together, that kind of thing. And now all of a sudden, because of differing opinions and different decisions over the vaccine, because that's so, you know, people are wearing orange stickers and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. They won't even talk to them anymore. Yeah. Will not even talk to them. It's almost like they think they're going to get cuties if they have a discussion with them or something like that. And um, I don't know if that's fear driven or like I'm going to be associated with the on the wrong side of this professionally or you know but even common professional respect and discourse conversation and and this I'm talking about at every level of medicine up to heads of departments even that it's just you know if, if you don't if you're not on this side then you might as well not exist it's people are being treated that way and it's very unfortunate because in medicine, probably more than any other profession, I'm sure others too, but those conversation, that discourse, you know, for example, Wigan is partner, they have conversations all the time about complicated patients and what would you do? And what, I'm, what, what do you think about this? And should, you know, that's an important piece of medicine. If we're just gonna cut off everyone that doesn't agree with the one narrative, then, We've got a huge case of, of groupthink. And I really do think as much as that's hard to believe, I do think that that is one piece of it. Mm -hmm. Not that that's what started it, but that that's where we are right now. That, you know, if you're not part of the big group, the conglomerate here, then you are treated this certain way. You're, you're, you're threatened. You might lose your job, all of these things. And I certainly over on the right side, don't want to be associated with this, these people over here. And so it just, it seems to just keep snowballing rather than just thinking, right? <laughs> like just think through, is this how we come up with the best solutions? And I don't, I, how can we not say the answer is no versus everyone needs to do this one thing. And that's the only solution for every single person. 
Well, I mean, I was in, I worked in the ER for seven, 17 years and our, we had certain like protocols, but our doctors would all practice differently. We, we knew that when this doctor was here, we'd be doing this for a migraine patient. We knew when this doctor was here, we'd be doing this for a GI workup, okay? Mm -hmm. So each doctor, but it's not that one was wrong, one was right. Now, of course, there were some things that I agreed with or didn't, you know, disagreed with, but it wasn't harming the patient, but some of the treatments worked better than others, you know, whatever, but they could still practice medicine. Mm -hmm. And it was based on evidence-based, you know, you know, studies that they knew they felt safe and comfortable giving, right? And nobody was like making them do this or not do this or just telling them one thing to do and that's it, right? So what, what happened to that? You know, and, and doctors, just like you were saying, why can't they just have discussions? But this has just divided so many people. And I do feel like I wanted to talk to you, ask you about um, like kids. And I, and I think that a lot, obviously, a lot of it is the media, the fear the propaganda of the fear, like just people are so scared. And I really think that is where the root of a lot of this is. Um, what can you tell like our listeners and what do you tell your patients to make them feel confident that if they get this, they're going to be okay. And especially kids, you know, like what do you do to help squash the fear? You know, cause it really is like one of my biggest, mm -hmm. my favorite phrases is facts before fear, yeah. you know, like take the emotions out and let's look at the facts here. Oh, I think that's that's a good point. And I can't remember who, who brought up this statistic, but actually one of the better indicators for how well someone is going to do with uh, coronavirus is how afraid they are yeah. of the virus. Yep. So actually the more fear that they have, actually the, the more likely they, they will have a bad outcome. Yep. And so I think the, the biggest thing that I do uh, as a provider when I'm talking to my patients, when we're, when we're making, you know, these risk benefit analysis decisions, and I think that's what that's what we should be doing for everybody. We should talk about the risks and benefits for any medical intervention, and then we decide what is the best best approach. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, COVID in particular, the, the best thing I try to do is try to reassure them that we know what we're doing, mm -hmm. uh, is that we have treated a lot of people. We have done a lot of research. We have read a lot of books and different different um, articles on this we have we've we've done our we've done our due diligence to know what we're doing and also to say well, look we've had also fantastic results with our patients so our patients again have, they, they've done they've done really well not to say that no one has gotten really sick or no one has gone to the hospital there have been some people that have gotten really sick but by treating them early again our numbers are fantastic so if you're going to compare our practice, you know, practice about 20,000 patients, if you compare our practice to any other practice, as far as treating the number of patients with COVID and the outcomes that we had, it's not just luck. We're not just lucky doctors. We are, we are good and we are treating this effectively. And so that's the biggest thing as I just try to say, look, we know what we're doing. We've had really good results, you know, up to this point. And then to say, Hey, this, but this is your decision. You know, I'm not going to tell you what you have to do. I'm going to say, this is, this is your decision. These are the options that you have for prevention. These are your options you have for the vaccine. These are the options you have for early treatment. And then let's, let's figure out what you feel comfortable doing. And then I'll support you either way. Well, I think that's the biggest thing is that so many people, your patients are informed and they're fully informed. Okay. And empowered, and empowered and empowered, which I think is important because and, they feel that they can control their outcome with you. And they feel comfortable reaching out to you. You know, yeah. there, there are so many people that if they reached out to their doctor, they'd be like, did you get the vaccine? If you didn't, then why didn't you get the vaccine? Or True. whether they got the vaccine or not, if they got it, they're like, well, go home. If they've got mild symptoms, they don't give them any advice. And so they go home and don't do anything. And this is while the virus is replicating, they're getting mm -hmm. worse, even though they don't really realize it. And then it is too late. You know, that was one of the things I've talked about it before, like Dr. Corey, he was getting people in the ICU and couldn't save them because they were that sick. And once you get to that point, it really is hard to treat them and reverse it. So mm -hmm. early treatment is key. Yeah. And I think that's something that every single person should consider. We, it doesn't take a medical degree to know that always, no matter what it is, whether your kid has an ear infection or whatever, it, we've always wanted to catch the thing as early as possible and treat it before it's a major problem, right? That's just how medicine has always been until now, where now it's, oh, we don't do anything until you're so sick, you need to be hospitalized. 
and you know viruses aren't new and it's very interesting that the things that we know work for for example viral re viral replication you know doing shooting the stuff up your nose and that kind of thing just it's this is stuff people have been doing that sounded terrible that that clip can't be on instagram but <laughs> <laughs> What is it called? What's the yeah, iodine. Thank you. We know what you're talking about, though. Oh my goodness! That'll be the part that people take the clip out and <laughs> yeah, not, not, not shooting any kind of illegal substance. Not shooting anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but to, you know, to cut. It's not a powder. It's a liquid. That's right. It's a liquid. <laughs> cut down on that viral replication. Like people have been doing that since forever. I, you know, I know my great grandparents did that, right? This is not new kind of thing, but we act like this is, you know, they even called it, right? The novel coronavirus for a long time. Like it's some sort of new type of illness that sure it's different. It's not the flu. It's not all these things, but it's not so different that it's like this new monster that we don't know what to do with. But that again, plays into the fear but so much of the same things, same simple at-home things that have worked so well for decades, even something as simple as vitamin D, right? Nobody talks about that still when it comes to, why are the primary care providers that are first, the first line of defense, like Wiggy, why are they not at least giving some of these simple solutions? And think about how much more fear it creates when you call your doctor and they say, well, sorry, we don't know what to do with you till you can't breathe. Does that not create more fear versus, you know what, you're, try these five things at home. Let us know how you're doing in a few days, right? right? Even if there's no pharmaceuticals involved, why are we not doing that? Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, one, one little silver lining with this, and then this is kind of related to the premise of the podcast about just thinking is that people are they're at least opening their eyes to the problems. Like why is early treatment being so vilified and why isn't it being pushed harder? Why isn't it being recommended? Because I think every, every, all of us, you know, know somebody that was treated early and they did fine. Uh, I think everybody knows somebody that did, was not treated early and they didn't do so well. And again, it's not, it's not a hundred percent correlation with that, but you, but you, you, you hear this pattern enough, people are starting to, to, to wake up and be like, well, gosh, yeah, this seems to be helping people. Why, why aren't we, why aren't we doing this more? And so, yeah, I think, I think it is from, from that standpoint, at least people are starting to question things more, which I think is big part of what we've been trying to recommend too, is we just need to get people thinking again mm -hmm. and not just, not just hearing something and saying, okay, that's, that sounds good, but say, okay, is that right? Or is that wrong? And then trying right. to figure out what is the truth? And that's that's where I think people need to be need to be striving for is striving for this critical thinking and try to figure out what is what is right, what is wrong, what is true. That's right. Absolutely. And critical thinking is not comfortable sometimes, right? It is not comfortable to have to ask hard questions, to take the time to look into this for yourselves. But I've found that if someone's not willing, it'll come home to you eventually that you're forced to, because there will be probably an event that causes you or should cause you to just think, to ask the questions and say, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. It's interesting. We had some critics when we got started with our podcast that were not liking that we were challenging the vaccine mandates. And mm -hmm. guess who they called first when they got COVID? They called <laughs> us, you know? Yep. It's, it's like, that's where they had to go, okay, well, my doctor won't do anything for me. What do you guys yep. know, right? Yep. And, well, and, and so- I think about every patient that he's treated, that's just one more person that that knows can, that knows and that can tell others, you know, so yes. for every patient that gets treated this way um, by a doctor who cares, who gives all the information, who is using things that are vilified by mainstream um, for every person that is cured and moves on from COVID very easily. That's just one more person to be out yep. in the world, spreading that message. So yeah, I think I think <laughs> yeah, I think that the narrative is is actually crumbling pretty fast yeah. as far as what is being pushed to say this is the only way to do things because it, it obviously is not is not working. And when it doesn't work, you're right. That's that's where they say, OK, well, now now what do I do now? What? And that's where that's where people are. But this is this is going to be a lot of people that are going to be saying, OK, that didn't work. Now what now what can I do? 
and they are going to say, well, I heard it from these people that maybe there's some different option for early treatment. Maybe I should reach out to them. And I think we do need to be gracious in that, in those circumstances, yeah. you know, people, even if they, they kind of were really hateful and say, this is terrible, but if they say, Hey, look, I need some help. And we say, okay, what, what can we do? Well, ultimately, regardless of whether people agree or disagree with us or people who have unfriended us or anything <laughs> over silly things, um, we are here to help everybody. We, we still care about keeping people out of the hospital and dying. And that should be the ultimate, the ultimate goal. Right. And if they say that that is, they're not showing it. Like I tell my kids, actions speak louder than words. And these mm. actions are not speaking louder than words. Yours are, Dr. Wiggy. <laughs> Sometimes. But, <laughs> but that's just the thing. We are so grateful for doctors like you, for, for both of you giving us your time today and speaking out, but also organizing. This is the hour. This is the time. We keep saying this as a podcast. Now's the time to use your voice, use your brain and think and get educated, right? And use your voice to to gather with others who are seeing the truths that you're discovering and share it with others because there's a lot of really desperate people out there who need to know these things. And also we have to say, if you're in the triad area, are you still taking new patients? <laughs> uh, so I, I'm not really taking new patients. My panel's pretty packed right now, but we do have nurse practitioners and PAs that are taking patients. So yeah, our practice, Robin Hood Integrative Health. If you're in Winston-Salem, Greensboro, High Point, the surrounding area, we'd be happy to help you. Okay. And also before we don't want to get, we have a, one more question for you, but, but before I ask that question, um, I wanted to just remind everybody of your two is it the websites or the Instagram sites or the mom sanity and raise them well. Mm -hmm. And then also the physicians for freedom. If there are like health care practitioners, how can people get involved and contact you? Yes. We, we need to know that. <laughs> sure. So our website is ncphysiciansforfreedom.com. It's pretty easy to find. <laughs> and on there, um, we do have a variety of articles. We have a couple of position statements now. So, you know, it, it took us several months to kind of get going, get our organization to be official. You know, we've got our board of directors. We've got a, a lot of other advisors that aren't able to be as public, but they are working behind the scenes um, in a variety of specialties. And so we've got all that going and we've got some position statements now. Um, we do, I do want to make sure this is clear because I get a lot of questions about this. We are not a medical practice. There are a variety of physicians that are able to advertise their services and that is on our providers page, but emailing us asking for medical advice, we cannot give that, but that happens every day. So it's better to just say that in advance. If you are a physician, a, an advanced practice provider, a chiropractor, a dentist, a pharmacist in North Carolina, and you're not already a part of our network, there's a big contact us button at the top of the page. And those emails come directly to me. I'm happy to answer any questions, add anyone to our private database. Everything does stay private. I get that question often, as you might imagine. And um, yeah, we'll be meeting here in a couple of weeks for our January meeting and talking about protocols and our policy um, priorities for the first quarter and so forth. So yes. Okay. And, our, and, our, and our main purpose yeah, for that coalition is to be a resource of trusted science and research that, that we've done and to be, be able to help potentially shift, uh, shift uh, legislation and be able to potentially shift some of these rules and laws that are being that are being presented now and so that's kind of that's the main purpose is for us to to kind of team up uh with different senators and uh governors and trying to figure out how we can how we can move out of this and come out of it better next time and one thing that's important to point out um our legislators get attacked a lot and what we have to remember is they don't have this voice coming to them and you know, they hear the same experts as everybody else. That is what is always presented before them. And while some of them are able to dig through that and find the right people and find trusted resources, it's really difficult, just like it's really difficult to find the physicians to help build this network, um, but it's happening. And so that is our goal is to be that resource. And they thank us all the time because they've been looking for us. Mm -hmm. 
but they don't know where to find us either. And so we we have to be careful of, you know, throwing all these darts at people when they are making the best decisions they can with the information they have as well. They are seeking the information and that's our goal as a network to be that source of information to, um, you know, we've, we've worked on several occasions where there was going to be certain experts that are put before them and, you know, helping with formulating questions to help help poke holes in these arguments because they're not scientists and they're not doctors. So when these experts are before them and they just start regurgitating all of these things, it can be difficult and, and really uncomfortable if you're not dug deep into this because our legislators are supposed to be experts on everything. It's very difficult for them to dig in their heels and feel confident challenging people if they aren't experts in this. So that is really our ultimate goal is to be a resource for all of those leaders of all kinds that are looking for help in figuring all of this out. We're happy to research and give professional opinions on any kind of um, topic medically around more than just COVID even, you know, so that's really what our goal is. That would be a great link to be able to send when people do write their legislators or talk to them to include that link. So, right. I mean, is that correct? Like to have those kind of resources for them? Yeah. Especially the position statements Mm -hmm. for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then what we want to, the, we wanted to ask your, uh, did you want to say something else, Holly? But I wanted to no, ask. No, no, I just know they, I know they got a time limit. That's why. I, I know. Was- well, that's why the last thing I just wanted, we just want to know what are your top tips for prioritizing and protecting our health in 2021? Let's end this on a positive. I mean, 2022. <laughs> you know what? It's in here. <laughs> going back in time. Uh, yeah, not I, going back no. in time. No, no, we got to keep moving okay. forward. So <laughs> Emily and I actually just did a podcast on this yesterday or we've recorded it'll it'll publish on tuesday because yeah there there are things and that and i think that's that's what is important for everybody to understand especially all your listeners that there are things you can do Mm -hmm. and for for patients just to feel like okay i have control of certain things then i'm going to be in a better position and i think that's that is empowering that does make them feel better makes them feel more secure um so so simple things that you can do you know one thing is just make sure your vitamin d level is good that is a very simple thing to do. It doesn't take a lot of lifestyle changes. doesn't take a lot of you know, diet and exercise changes. Just go get your vitamin D level checked. Make sure it is optimal, not just normal. And that is the difference between also in kind of the way that certain doctors will interpret labs and say, well, if it's normal, then it's good. You know, vitamin D of 31 is normal. That's not, that's not good. You should be up around 60 to 100 on your vitamin D. So getting a good vitamin D level up, that's probably the, the, the most important thing. Can you and tell them why though? Because isn't it like a vitamin D level of, is it 50 or above or what, what is it that with, especially with COVID, right? Yeah, so vi- yeah, vitamin D is so important for the immune system. So if your vitamin D levels are low, which they're always low over the fall and the winter because we're not getting much, much sun, when the vitamin D levels drop, we're much more susceptible to all infections. So not just COVID, all infections, cold, flus, COVID, everything. And we also have a tougher time beating it if our vitamin D levels are low. So you wanna make sure that your vitamin D levels are optimal. And like I said, that's a very simple thing uh, to do. And related to that, try and get outside and just walk, just, okay. just get outside and be active. You know, this whole idea of we should all just hunker down inside of our houses for years, which some people do that. They, just, they haven't left their house in like years. I think that's terrible for you. Uh, the internal air uh, environment is worse in your house than it is outside. Uh, you're not going to get any vitamin D by being stuck inside all the time. Getting outside and just breathing fresh air is good for you. Uh, getting those negative ions to you know, surround you, those are all, all good things to do when you get outside. So that's that's important thing. We send our kids outside like all the time, no matter what, no matter how cold it is, we're sending them outside. And, and we also try to get outside too, pretty much every day. Yeah. And then Emily, you probably can give some, some good just lifestyle things too. Yeah, I think that... A big problem in our country is our immediate gratification mindset about everything. And so we are very all or nothing focused. And here we are at the new year and everyone often makes these very nonspecific, huge, unattainable goals that last about a week. And then we kind of are in that cycle of defeat to minimize, you know, a kind of a long process. And I think, you know, keeping things really small and taking baby steps, starting where you are, 
whether that be, you know, going for a 10 minute walk every day, that's something that you actually can do, or whether that is starting with drinking, um, you know, a whole 32 ounce bottle of water every day, if you're not doing that, like something so specific, mm-hmm. easily attainable and measurable that you can do, that's going to be a small win. And it ultimately is going to make you feel better and help you to make that next little step. So yeah, and I'll add one more thing that I just thought about that I think is also a good thing, good thing to, to mention kind of going into the, to the new year is that we also want to give you permission is that it may be, it may be time to find a new position. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes that is actually, <laughs> that is actually the biggest thing that you could do uh, for your health um, for the, for the next year. And, and because if you do have a partner that understands these things, that understands integrative medicine, understands how to be proactive, that, that, I mean, not even minimizing that, that can be a life and death decision because if you have someone, yeah, if you have someone that knows how to handle these things and, and not only that, but even after COVID, once that's passed, you know, getting, getting healthy is life prolonging. Exactly. So you can either, we can be acute and kind of take care of patients now and kind of save, save patients. Now we also can extend life, uh, the lifespan and the health span. So not only can you live longer, but you can live longer better. And I think that's, a, that's an important, important thing. And it's hard to do it on your own. Uh, almost all of us now, you know, we talked about this early on, is that why are things so much worse? People are getting sicker. There are people are definitely not getting healthier, but there are things you can do, but you generally do need some assistance. You know, I think we can do a lot of things with, you know, diet and exercise and lifestyle. There's lots of things you can do, but almost everybody now needs some additional help. Whether or, not, whether or not that is thyroid optimization, hormone optimization, detoxification strategies, there's different things that you, that you need. And, and you typically need a doctor to help you walk you through that. I love, that you said that, I love that you said partner because it's not a dictator, not a boss. You know, your doctor's not in charge of your health. You are. He, is, yeah. he or she is supposed to come alongside you and assist you with all of that. And we just thank you guys so much for being on. Thank you to your babysitter too, who yeah. I know is looking after those four boys so that you guys could chat with us today. We know what that's like. We always have a dog or child in the background. Yes. Um, <laughs> so that's very normal for us. But thank you guys for being on. Please guys go check out their websites that we've given you. We'll certainly link them to and the their podcast. podcast. And check out their podcast. Yes. Bye everybody. Happy New Year. We'll see you later. Thanks.